PW Hustle Networks present PWR at the Movies. Join the professor, Tommy Wonder, and JB as they discuss the greatest pro wrestling moments in movie history. true I am at least you know that all these things that happened to me as a kid they make you who you are yo Jake we haven't heard from you in a while give me a call a month a month ago you did crack man how often do you feel like you fight it fight the addiction 24 7 before anyone can actually help you like you gotta be ready to help yourself it's not a choice man when the cravings hit you it's on I'm right here I'm right here this is the beginning I can't change what I did I don't want to hurt him or me anymore or anybody else who cares about me. Our dad is changing. He tapped me on the chest and said, son, I want more time. One more time with you. No one believes it's going to happen. All I can do is change what I'm going to do tomorrow. So what do you really want? I want to be free. I know it's going to be tough today. And then we'll get to tomorrow and we'll say it again. If you want to stay with us, you don't drink ever again in the presence of us, period. One, two, three, four. I just had both my boys tell me they were proud of me. You keep seeing that light no matter how dark it gets. You keep seeing that little light and you strive to the light. Never underestimate the power you give someone by believing in them. Anti-Semites, everything. All the gamuts of the ites. But neither here nor there. This is the kings of nostalgia. This is the kings of the rivalries. This is the kings of the movies. This is the kings of the spotlights. It is your friendly neighborhood podcast, the PWR Podcast. Relatively known as the Pro Wrestling Reflection Podcast here at the PWL Networks at Podbeam.com. And sometimes if it will be on YouTube, it will be on the on the PWSL Networks on YouTube if A-Track Brown gets off his ass and uploads the videos. But neither here nor there, you know, that's a 
little dig on him, but I love my brother right there. But anyway, I must represent myself. I must introduce myself because I'm vain like that. I have, you know, an affinity. I have vanity complexes. Yes, I love myself to death. I love myself. I, I just love myself a couple of minutes ago before we even started broadcasting. But anyway, neither here nor there. Yes. I am that magnanimous man. I am that scholarly man. I am the glorious man. The only objective man in the IWC, YWC. I, I, I am objective of anything because I see things that's going on in wrestling right now that I'm objective about. I am the only objective man in this podcast punditry on the on the Twitch, on the Twitters, on the Facebook, on the Truth Social, on the Getters, on any social media platform, your friend of mine, the Professor Chabelle Cruz. And I'm not here alone. I'm always here with my brother from another mother, the conservative liberal, the liberal conservative, Mr. Dumb Dumb Duel and an idiot's own, Mr. Wonderful, Dr. Frankenstein himself, D. Tommy Wonder. How you doing, my friend? I go by Kratos these days. It's a God of War guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing all right, man. I, I, you know, obviously you haven't talked about what we're going to talk about, but uh, this shit hit me right in the feels. And and I thought to myself, um, when we get to talking about this, there's another version of this on a different guy. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have been able to handle that one. Mm. You know who I'm talking about, too. Well, you know what? We let's delve into that in a just in a bit. But if for all the Reflectionites, the Magnificent 7, the Elite 8, the 99, the Terrific 10, the Essential 11, you know who you are. Tian Kupana, Philip Scott Wood, Donna Destruction, 8-Track Black, Greenpeace, you know who you are. SNX Express, Philip Schmitnik, John McHugan, all, all the principal elements of the Magnificent 7, you know who you are. We love you to death. And, of course, the people that are, you know, chatting here and there on the YouTubes, I know who you are, and I sh- I'll shout you out in, in a future episode, but I'll get those names. I have, to re- I have to write it down in my notes, you know. You know, blame the professor. You know, sometimes, you know, I don't do all my homework all the time. I might be the professor, but sometimes I miss a, I miss a study time here and there. But I'll get those YouTube shout-outs in a couple of episodes down the road. But anyway, we are going back to the movies. And, some, and TW knows this. I don't try to do the themes so quickly, you know, I try to spread out the themes of the movies, maybe a month, you know, a month apart from each other, but like I said last week, it was apropos that we do a special PWR at the movies, and, you know, most of the things that me and TW did with the PWR at the movies were in fun, were in jest, right, TW? I mean, we made fun of Hulk Hogan movies, but we enjoyed it to a degree. We made fun of Roddy Roddy Piper and Zombies. But, I don't know if I'm going to say we enjoyed that, but we watched it. <laughs> That's how I say that. But, and we've done, you know, we've oh, done you gotta say it right. We watched it so the 12 of you don't have to. That, yes, we did a public service, so we helped you out. We saved your life. We saved you 90 minutes of your life to not watch that movie. But neither here nor there. Again, we've done They Live. We've done Ready to Rumble. But you get the gambit. We have had fun watching these movies, but it hit the professor, and it hit T.W., that when we do this particular movie, it's not really a movie, it's a documentary, but, again, I I like to use that word apropos, because it is apropos, because I watched it on Tubi, Reflection Nights, and I was kind of like, you know, I was kind of heartbroken, it was sad, because, you know, 
as wrestling fans that we are, and of course TW is a former wrestler himself, but of course he Never, loves the ever a former wrestler. But you know, a, a less he's a, active one. He's a wrestler for life. That's what it is. He he he. The wrestling business is ingrained in his body, in his heart, and his soul. And as a fan, wrestling is ingrained in my heart and my soul. So when we watch this documentary, we're going to be talking about the resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts. It is a documentary. You want to call it a movie. You want to call it an indie movie. Whatever you want to call it, Reflection Nights, that is your call. I don't care. But we wanted. To, I wanted to talk about this because this is really, TW, the first serious movie that we are going to talk about here at the PWR podcast because, you know, there's nothing to make fun of. This, you know, right. when you look at Jake the Snake Roberts, and if anybody has not seen this documentary, I think you should see it because it, it is, you know, it's almost like a, I'm, a, I'm not going to say it, a love letter, TW, but I'm trying to use a nice word, but it is a letter to wrestling fans. It's, it's, it's an inspiration. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly it, what you're saying. It's I know a, what you're saying. Go ahead. It's a soliloquy for wrestling fans to understand what a person has gone through in his or her lifetime within the wrestling business. You know, TW, I think I think you said this on a past PWR movie uh, episode. I think when we talked about the wrestler, I think you said that the wrestler might have been about Jake the Snake Roberts in some form or fashion because of the certain ailments that he had here. But let's take a let's take a step. Back. Hold on, like, real quick. Just I just wanted you to say that because. I, I do remember saying that now that you said that, because what I used to say about the wrestler is just, it's unbelievable because they make it out like Randy the Ram was Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, and we both know that if if Hulk Hogan or Randy Savage or, or Ric Flair, I don't know why I said Randy Savage, if any of them were in the shape that Randy the Ram was in, first of all, they wouldn't be that fucking broke, and second of all, anybody would book them if they were in, you know, because they're almost making it out like it was Hogan versus Giant or... Not that we ever really had a real big Hogan versus Flair, but the match they talked about redoing the Sheik versus Randy the Ram, mm -hmm. they, yeah, they, implied, they implied it would be, you know, someone on the level of Ric Flair, Hulk Hogan, Macho Man. And we all know that if any of those guys wanted to get booked again, they would. And this week, Ric Flair is doing it. So now I'm convinced the wrestlers about Ric Flair, right? Mm -hmm. Other than working at the grocery store. But I've come so far around on it, but as I'm watching this, I'm like, yeah, this, yeah, Jake the Snake is Randy the Ram. He's living in poverty, which he shouldn't have been. And, and the contrast to it is, look how Scott Hall was still living. Now, granted, Scott Hall with the, what do you call that thing they had in their contract? Right, oh, the, right of, the right merchandising. Of whatever. No, oh. no, no, no. Like when they signed Bret Hart. Oh, Favorite Nations. Favorite nations clause. So Scott Hall and Kevin Nash will never be broke because they, you know, no matter how much drug Scott Hall was doing, like uh, just you know, not just we're not going chronological. Jake the Snake had to have a fucking GoFundMe to get his shoulder worked on. Scott mm -hmm. Hall just paid for his fucking hip. Right? There's a difference right. in the two. So Scott Hall would be uh, Jake the Snake is the, is he's the wrestler, a guy who was on that level. Mm -hmm. uh, Think about his matches with Ricky Steamboat. Think about his matches uh, with Rick Rude. Think about his matches with the Warrior, Andre, uh, and then Sting. So he is someone who has been in the main event, who has nothing if he doesn't have wrestling. Um, and like Randy the Ram, Jake the Snake loved wrestling. Still does. He's in AEW now. We're talking about him like he's gone. He's in AEW now. So he is... Um, 
the success story, gone bad, and now we're watching the resurrection of him. Yeah, absolutely. I forgot. I'll go with that sentiment, a lot of what you said here, T.W., but let me just say this. You know, before we even delve into this movie, this is, again, an independent movie that was directed by Stephen Yu. It was produced by Chris Bell, Christopher Carey, and Diamond Dallas Page himself. So he had a, you know, he had a input in this documentary here for Reflection Nights. But we must go back a little bit, T.W., because you actually said it in your uh, diatribe. I don't, I don't want to call it a diatribe, but what you said. The 80s, he was larger than life. We cannot deny that. You know, he was one of the most popular and he was one of the most hated. But wherever he was in that position in wrestling, in professional wrestling, he was top five at the moment wherever he was, whether it was WWF or WCW at the, mo- at the moment, because the crowd was invested in him. The crowd, you know, gravitated towards him because he had, you know, he didn't, he didn't talk loud, didn't speak loud, but whatever he said, had its weight. <laughs> he carried weight. And visually, especially in the WWE, he had Damien the Python. So very, very visual. And just like a TW, for the YouTube fans, who, if this gets uploaded, he was holding up a Jake Snake <laughs> action figure. You know, TW and I know this joke. It's an internal joke. But anyway, well, he's holding up a Scott, a Reza Ramon action figure. But TW, you talked about that other movie before this one. Let's just talk about that right now because you, you just said it. The highest of highs in the 80s, we can't deny that. The lowest of lows came in the late 90s and 2000s. And part of that was done with the movie Beyond the Mat. So we'll talk about that a little bit because everybody knows that one. I mean, whether TW, let's not go, don't go on a 10-minute tangent here. But Beyond the Mat, <laughs> try to abbreviate. As a wrestler yourself, I don't think that movie helped the wrestling business. I think the, it hurt the wrestling business. What say you for that? Absolutely, and and I'm only going to say this about it because I'm going to keep it to Jake the Snake because there's there's three or four different people they're following there: Tony mm-hmm. Atlas, Mick Foley, I think some indie guy, and Jake. And the difference in these two movies is you leave Beyond the Mat thinking Jake the Snake is a piece of shit. You leave the resurrection of Jake the Snake and think, wow, like like I said. It hit me in the feels, man. It, it beyond the mat is dirt. It's almost the TMZ of mm-hmm. documentaries. Whereas Resurrection of Jake the Snake it, and the other one that I was telling you about earlier is uh, Scott Hall riding the Razor's Edge or whatever. They're redemption stories. They're 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 letting you know shit was not always good, but it, 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 to watch it is to leave with a glimmer of hope. And mm-hmm. uh, and so. I remember the one thing in Beyond the Mat that really bothered me about um, about Jake was a uh, similar situation was was me and my my dad had a daughter um, when she was born he was still in my life when she was three and I was nine almost ten so she would have been maybe four I never saw mm-hmm. her again until I found her in two thousand six and when I found her. It was an immediate connection, like, man, we should have been in each other's lives this whole time, and we are now, and we're not as close as we could be because she lives an hour away, and there's other reasons. You know, she doesn't travel this way, so when I see her, I got to go there, but it's worth it to go there. I do it a couple times a year, even if, you know, she doesn't come up here, but that's a whole other animal. But the point is, the second I saw her, and we're only half-blood, right? My mom's Mm -hmm. not her mom. Her mom's not mine, and I immediately knew 
that that girl was going to be in my life the rest of my life. She was the sister I, I had lost and, and had to have again. And, and beyond the magic, the snake goes and meets a daughter that he had never met. And very much when he was in the WWE talking about religion, he wasn't really religious. He was using it as a gimmick, right? And it got mm-hmm. him back. It got him his job back like he intended it to. When he met his daughter, he was down and out. And when he met her, she was overweight. She was poor. She offered him nothing, and he didn't keep in touch with her. And that always bothered me because it was almost like he only went looking for her to see if she had anything to offer him, you know, if that makes any sense. Which, mm-hmm. to be fair. Well, when, you, when, you, when you're down and out. It's, and, well, no, no, no. Now you're no, making, let me, no, no, no. And let me just. Drug addicts. That's, that's what I'm just saying. When you're, when you're yeah. in heavy into drugs and heavy into alcoholism like he was back in the, right. in the 90s and the 2000s. Well, even in the 80s, but in the 80s, he kind I don't want to say kind of controlled it, but he did control it that he can do drugs at night, but then go the next night in Madison Square Garden and, you know, tear the house down. But, you know, it catches up to you, Reflection Nights, no matter what. The vices are there. But when you're down and out like that, T.W., you just said he, he's looking for something. He's looking for a handout. Right. Like my a crackhead. Point is, my point is, to, for me to find my sister who's half-blood of me, mm-hmm. Right. And to feel that connection, for him not to feel it with his daughter, who he created, mm-hmm. it's it's disappointing to me. And as a dude whose dad dipped out on him, it, it, you know, it, it hit close to home. And uh, when I watched this documentary, I'm almost sure I've seen her once, but she's not heavily featured in it. But he does reference he has eight kids. There's three that are in this documentary pretty pretty regularly. Um and I'm and I and it's because they probably well, chose to participate let's, in it. Let's just say this: it's the three kids that maybe want a relationship with Jake right. the Snake. Right. Maybe no, 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 five no, don't sure. want to do anything. No, Who no, knows? no. I because I, I think there's a point where they show all of them together at his induction into the Hall of Fame. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a bigger girl there in the picture. No, I'm, I'm not saying that the Hall of Fame. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that as a, as a but, happy ending. But let's not. No, no, let's no. Not... But but what I'm saying is she's probably not in this documentary. Because she agreed to do the other one, and it didn't make her look good. You know what I mean? So she's mm-hmm. it's it's a, probably a case of once bitten, twice shy. Because the other three aren't in the first documentary. That's you know a, what that's I mean? a that's a scar you cannot that she couldn't heal from that because of Beyond the Mad didn't represent Jake the Snake well. But right. again, right. like you said, it's a TMZ thing. But within right. that Beyond the Mad reflection, I'll just let me abbreviate here. He was remember what was it? The Kings of Wrestling. 1999. It was one of the worst pay-per-views in wrestling history. We'll never do that one. I don't care, Ray. I know you've always wanted <laughs> us to do that, but we'll never do that. Out of, huh? Who who runs that one? No, that was an independent thing. That that all the nostalgia thing. Think of it as XWF on Coke. But anyway, Jake the Snake <laughs> had a was already in the arena high. He was already fucked up, and literally had a pot belly, and he just had one of the worst matches in in his life. Let's fast forward now to this documentary where it spans two years, T.W., so it, it was a journey. The, the word resurrection really hits home here because this was a journey from 2012 to 2014. But they started out this movie, Reflectionized, talking about a, a TMZ moment, and again, we have to talk about TMZ, where he was at an, another indie show, T.W., and he was not fit to wrestle. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't sell, and it... it it was broadcast on TMZ, you know, on social media, whatever the case may be. It just, that was the lowest of the low for Jake the Snake Roberts. And it, you know, when you're a friend of somebody, TW, when they're at their lowest, it's sometimes 
it weighs on the person who's trying to help them. And I'm sure that there was people within Jake the Snake's circle. I'm not saying that they were so close, you know, like brothers or sisters, TW. But within the wrestling industry, maybe there's one or two. Because eventually in this documentary, there is that brotherhood with Diamond Dallas Page. There is that brotherhood with Scott Hall. It shows that there are people within. But even even in this movie, Diamond Dallas Page, it weighs on you. Diamond Dallas Page, for this movie purposes, Reflectionites, has a heart of gold, but also has the patience that some people just don't have. When someone of, of fucks saint. up, he has a patient of a saint. That's a good thing, TW. But let's say, TW, because, you know, not for Jake the Snake, just in generalities, you know, it weighs on the person who's trying to help uplift somebody. It weighs on a person to, tr- you know, if they keep fucking up. You, you you say, I, I wipe my hands. I can't do it anymore. You're weighing me down. Then I don't want that negative energy. What's ATW? Because, again, I, I did this movie for you because you're that spiritual person. And you always found that positivity no matter what. No matter what uh, ailments. No matter what negativity. No matter what uh, strives. That's why I picked this. You know, it's funny because, uh, man, I, you, I don't even know why this would make me emotional. But I don't I don't know that I've ever seen... DDP ever reference faith or religion or anything, right? And and that's mm-hmm. not him. That's his own thing. I would never, you know, one way or the other, you have it or you don't. It's not my business, right? Um, however, when I read the Bible, what, you know, love, love is the number one thing. I don't think anybody would ever say that Diamond Dallas Page doesn't have love, right? Mm-hmm. But one of the things that I take out of the Bible, religiously, no pun intended, is gratitude. To have gratitude. Um, there's a couple different sayings. One of my favorites is from Star Wars. Qui-Gon says to Jar Jar and Obi-Wan, there's always a bigger fish, which is how I like to say it when people say, no matter how bad it is, there's always somebody else who's worse, right? Like, like mm-hmm. I got this scar on my head, right? But the other two guys in that car are gone, right? So if given the choice, which one do you think I'm taking? I'm taking the scar, of not course. the casket, right? So... Mm-hmm. One thing about DDP, and I think that's why I get emotional. He, that dude is an emotional guy. I think DDP, first and foremost, is grateful. And I think one of the reasons why Jake the Snake and Scott Hall are the two guys that he's most famous for helping, because he's helped other guys. He's helped RVD. He's helped Dustin Rhodes. He's helped Austin. He's helped not necessarily with – well, Dustin was with, with also, you know, problems, but – Physically, he's helped a lot of people, but these two guys were, Jake the Snake said it in the garage, I'm a baby bird, you know what I mean? Like, he's starting from scratch. Scott Hall shows up in a wheelchair. So, DDP, but the reason I think he has the patience, the reason I think he has the love, is because he's grateful to both of those guys. And one of the things that got me the most was when the two of them called Scott Hall on the phone, that's where the faith comes in, Scott Hall was hammered. And out of nowhere, just was clear, like clarity. He was clear, and he says, guys, I feel like I'm having one of those moments where God is talking to me right now through you guys. Like he, It sobered him up to hear Jake. Because do you remember how he answered the phone? How did he answer the phone? I forgot. He said, what? Mm. Like this dude didn't even look at the caller ID. And the second Dallas Page said his name the second time, he says, it's Dallas. He said, Dally the first time. Scott Hall lit up and he said, man, I'm doing, I'm, I'm just drinking vodka. I'm dying. I, like he wanted to. And then when Jake said, I was there, but I need you, Scott, it, it, 
those two guys fixing Jake fixed Scott Hall. And it was it opened Scott Hall's faith in him. And I think Jake has some, and I think DDB has some. I just don't think they run around using, if that makes any sense. They don't use They don't promote it. They don't promote it. And I don't, you know, I talk about it, but when it comes up, I don't just run around going, hey, find God. I, I think if, I, if you need me to do that to you, then you're a lot further away than I can help you, right? Call Travis. And I mean that mm-hmm. in a good way, right? But uh, but my thing is, I think DDP has, there's, there's, there's two guys for sure, and then the third being Scott Hall and, and Kevin Nash, actually the fourth. And they talk about it here. The two guys that helped him the most when he started were Dusty Rhodes and Jake the Snake. And then mm-hmm. the two guys that helped get him over were Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. And those four guys are four guys that he is so grateful to that he would do anything for them. And Kevin and Dusty didn't need help. That's what? like a it's a life bond that DDP yeah. owes, and he life he debt. doesn't he, he has, yeah it's a yeah. life debt that he wants to pay back. Like Jar Jar, <laughs> yeah, give yeah it is like Jar Jar, but DDP is not as annoying as Jar Jar, so you know that that works out for him. But before we get into that DDP realm of you know being in the house and you know doing all the the little things and trying and doing that DDP yoga, this is no you know I wish I was getting paid from DDP yoga to you know it works. It worked for Jake the Snake. It worked for Scott Hall. It works if you, you're you're down for the program. But anyway, but TW, I want to talk about the director, Stephen Yu, because his his goal with the documentary, I think initially, it, I'm, I'm looking at it from the fan that, that I was watching, because when he went to Jake the Snake's house, after you know, knowing all the stuff that happened on TMZ, knowing all the crutches and the vices that he's suffering with, and knowing that he, you know, Jake is at his lowest point, he was dumbfounded that Jake the Snake was living in Gainesville, Texas, in a modest, you know, one-bedroom house, whatever you want to call it, and it looked like shit. He he was expecting the guy that he grew up he watching. Was expecting, in the he was expecting DDP's house. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and it's just the... the uh, the ugly truth reflection of the professional wrestling business. And well, you know TW, TW has an said in his American, mouth. As an Asian American, what he expected was to see white privilege from Jake the Snake. He was, well, where's this white, where's it at? Where's your big mansion in the, in the woods and all this <laughs> other stuff? I'm kidding. Yeah, I, I don't. But I, I think, <laughs> I, I think, you know, I think he looked at it as a fan of Jake the Snake. Of course, he grew up watching Jake the Snake in the 80s. He grew, he was like, but again, TW, he doesn't know the business behind the scenes, the hot dog and the handshake terminology that you've said, you know. And, of course, you've always said this. Some people just don't know how to save their money. Right. But or they smoke it. it. Yeah, they smoke it. He, he smoked it. He drank it. But TW, you know, talk about that a little bit. You know, the director being dumbfounded or, you know, he didn't well, believe the, the K-Fate. That's, that's the best part about Stephen Yu. He wasn't disappointed. He was stunned. Yeah, he's literally like what? No, I, he wasn't. I didn't say that. I said he was dumbfounded no, that he was no, living no, no, like no, that. No, no, I'm not saying you're. You said it exactly how I'm saying it too. That, mm-hmm. That's the that's the beauty of it. This guy wasn't like, and he didn't. He didn't didn't help him. He still helped him. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and so, but he went there like, what the fuck? Like, that's not what you're expecting to see, right? Now, right. if he's a minimalist, like. Like uh, your boy Dean Ambrose, he's a minimalist. He doesn't have very many things. So if you go into his condo, there's nothing in there. But it's probably a nicer condo than Jake's house he's living in. But mm-hmm. 
He's also a city boy, Cincinnati boy, whereas Jake is from fucking Stone Mountain, Georgia, where people live like that. And and I will say this, as shabby as his house looked from outside, it did seem to have a considerable size yard. And the inside, I mean, it looked like people lived there for 50 years. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I don't know if it was his mom's house. He took it over. I don't know if it was his house all along. I don't know if it's where he ended up, and he's just renting a furnished house. It just looked like it had been there a while, but it was not a not. It wasn't a bad house inside structurally. It just, he just wasn't didn't take care TDPs. of it. piece, right? Yeah, it he just didn't take care cluttered. of it. He didn't uh, renovate it. He didn't, you know, cherish it or whatever. But he didn't do yard work. He didn't do the yard work. Yeah, definitely. He needed to pay somebody, but I guess he didn't have the money to pay him because he was doing the drugs. He was doing the alcohol. But reflection, if you don't know the why Jake Snake Roberts had these vices, if you did not watch Dark Side of the Ring Reflectionites, I'll abbreviate this. Jake the Snake grew up within the wrestling family. His father was Grizzly Smith. His sister was Rockin' Robin. Long story short. And he had another brother. Long story short. And Sam Houston, of course, too. Uh, Long story short, there was physical abuse. There was mental abuse. There was sexual abuse from Grizzly Smith and from uh, Grizzly Smith's, I believe, uh, stepmother. So Jake the Snake had a fucked up childhood, T.W. So, you know, he turns into he, he goes to the wrestling business. And he doesn't even want to be known as Grizzly Smith's kid. So that's why Jake, the Snake, you know, he he really tried to separate himself with Jake the Snake Robinson. Because, you know, again, when you're a little kid like I am, a little professor, seeing him in 1986 going up against George Wells in WrestleMania 2, Grizzly Smith is not on my radar. I didn't know, you know, he, they didn't say he's the product of the Grizzly Smith family. Probably was said to Gorilla Monsoon Investment, don't even acknowledge that part of my family. I don't even want to even touch that. I don't. I don't even want you to tell anybody that I'm sis- that Rockin' Robin's my sister. I don't want nothing to do with that. So he had a lot of mental demons. T.W. Talk about the mental demons that Jake the Snake had to overcome, even to get to that point. Well, here I'm going to go into some side shit. But here, look, his dad mentally abused him. It was his stepmom who sexually abused him, yeah, that's and then mm-hmm. physically abused him. So that he wouldn't tell his dad and then also mentally abuse him by saying, if you tell him, he's going to kill you or he won't like you no more. So you have a guy who's already struggling with acceptance from his father. He goes and graduates high school and then tells his dad, I want to go to college. And his dad's response is, you're a fucking bum. You're worthless. I'm ashamed of you. And you could see it in his eyes at 50 something years old. It still hurts him. I know what it's like to have a dad dip out on you. I don't know what it's like to have them in your life and then tell you you're a piece of shit because you feel like that's what your dad thinks when he's not in your life. But mm-hmm. when you have him actually tell you, as, uh, at least I had the hope that my dad was somewhere thinking about me in a positive way, right? Jake right. didn't. And and so, and so then also he told himself he, when he grew up he was going to be with his kids. He was going to do this, that, and the other thing. And, and then he did to his kids the same thing his dad did to him, but he, he hits the nail on the head. He, he did it. Because he felt like he wasn't worthy to them either because his whole life, that's how he was made to be felt by his stepmom, by his dad, and by anybody else. And, you know, I'm a sensitive guy, and Jake breaks down to DDP and tells him, when Jake tells him, or DDP tells him, you got thicker skin than that. And he goes, no, I don't. That's what people don't understand. I don't have thick skin. I spent my entire life worrying about what other people thought of me than what I thought of myself. And and I know what that feels like, man. I, I know that... <clears throat> 
feels like to be in the middle of a wrestling ring and feel like all eyes on you, but then to be in a, a middle of a full room of people and feel all alone. I know that feeling too. So, and it's not because you want to feel that way. It's because somewhere somebody made you feel that way. And in his case, it was his dad, his stepmom. I don't. I didn't even know he had heat with Rock Robin and Sam Houston. But it's funny you say that because no, he, he, he didn't have heat. He didn't have heat with them. He just. It just. He didn't want to be acknowledged. I guess it's just one of those things. No, no, I didn't I mean, want to be. He, but I'm saying he. They. They got caught either in the collateral damage of not acknowledging that half of his family, or they, maybe he feels like they didn't help him either. You know, yeah, that could be a, a, a good assessment there, too. But, T.W., let's look at it from this aspect. Jake the Snake is at rock bottom. He's, I think he was 300 pounds the first time Stephen Yu met him. So you could see he was 299. He was 299. He barely got off of that recliner. He had the alcohol around. would probably have the beer cans on the floor reflection. So, you know, he was at the lowest of his lows. And DDP was the guardian angel, the saving grace, whatever you want to call it. I think he called them and said, you know, come to my house in Atlanta, Georgia. I'll put you up. You don't have to worry about it. We'll get you going. We'll get you back on the right track. And Jake the Snake, it's funny. It's funny, like, when you're at your lowest, you know, there is still something. There's still something left. The real UTW saying, help me. I need the help. But then those vices are, are fighting and just trying to, like, knock you down. So it's a it's a battle of good and evil within yourself, T.W. You know, that's why I say this is a very spiritual, inspirational, motivational movie. What, what say you about that? And then we'll get into some, some tidbits that happened when he got into Atlanta, Atlanta Georgia. Uh, there's, there's, there's so much. Like, it, like, Paige doesn't even think he's ready, but knows it's now or never. He's got to do it, so he, he reaches out. And he even mm -hmm. says when they're picking him up at the airport or going to his house, are you ready for this? I, I'm as ready as I'm ever going to be because he knows it's going to be hard. He, he remembers seeing him in his house and all that, and Paige still did it. And then Scott Hall, like I said, rolls in in a wheelchair, and he's like, what the fuck? Like, even mm -hmm. harder, but I think Scott almost looks like he took to it easy, right? Obviously, he regressed too, um, but the, the the difference between Scott Hall on day one and, and Scott Hall on day whatever the fuck is night and day. And mm -hmm. Jake, what, what's good about him is, I mean, he gets to losing that weight fast because he goes from 299 to 288 almost immediately, then to 260-something or 70-something, and then the part where they're doing the scale. But it's such a friendship. It's such a and, – and I don't think DDP lives there. I think it's like a sober house deal. He goes home. Well, his initially, wife. that house was, he called it the accountability uh, crib. Right. But that house was intended to be like a, not a studio per se, but a place where he could do the DDP yoga for clients to come in. Because it was basically meant for that, right. you know. Like, like uh, not necessarily a sober house, but a rehab place. Yeah. A rehab facility. But, but yeah, I'm yeah, sure. but I'm sure TW that DDP did not want to use it as a sober house because he wanted to use it as a DDP yoga, right. like a gym and, and, and a rehab center for people to for their ailments, not That's for their sober, question. not to get sober. Mm -hmm. There's a former WCW wrestler who I referenced recently on our show because I couldn't remember his damn name, but I remember now. He's in there early on when Jake is first coming around to being better. He's there doing the DDP yoga with him, and he's in the kitchen, and he walks by, and I'm like, was that? And then he walked by again. I go, it is. Did you catch him? Uh, I might have missed it. Who is that? Glacier. 
Oh, he was. The, yeah, um, DDP and Glacier do, does does have that connection. Many and years. I love I love when I see that. And at the end, at the credits, or no, no, there's a, there's a DDP show called Relentless. I'm actually going to watch that on my own. It's about how he started doing the DDP yoga, and one of the guys on there is Mark Starr, who was a job guy who they mm-hmm. started putting over. He was on Nitro. He was on Nitro yeah. a lot as the yeah. as the ninja guy. He was the karate guy. Yep. So, yep. But 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 I always love it when those job guys end up being real life friends with guys who aren't job guys. It always makes me feel like because I, I think I told you this. WWE people treated us like secondhand citizens, but that was after WCW went out of business. WCW, it was me, Rhino, before anybody knew who he was, Canyon, Frankie Thumper, Lancaster, and Scott Demore. Obviously, people knew who Frankie Th- Lancaster was. He's like a job. He's like their Iron Mike Sharp, NWA. Mm-hmm. Um, Everybody in that locker room, we all had the same locker room, and they all treated us like the boys, and it was it was cool. You know what I mean? I'm a 21-year-old kid in the locker room with Sting, Macho Man, and, and Buff Bagwell's asking me, how are you doing, man? How long have you been in the business? And, and they treated all of us like we were one of them. So whenever I see that Frankie Lancaster, or, I'm sorry, in this case, uh, Glacier, who really was never anything, I think he was another power plant student that – that they didn't take advantage of that they put in the power plant to make a wrestler because of wherever mm-hmm. they found them. But I like that DDP would be friends with that guy because it tells you that DDP doesn't think he's any better or any worse than anybody else. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Again, he's a very gracious, I think yes. down Dallas page is a gracious person. He's a person that that's whatever he says, it's from the heart. You know, he's very, emo- he wears his heart on his sleeves and 1, within this, Within this movie, he brings in Jake the Snake to his accountability crib in Atlanta, Georgia. And, you know, it's not like DDP at this point. You know, he's starting up the DDP yoga stuff. So, you know, he's refining, he's he's refining, he's retooling the system himself, TW. So, you know, within, this is like, this is baby steps even for DDP yoga, but he has like a, a track system to use. He ha- He has a system to start. So his initial plan for Jake the Snake is the best way to get him at least to you know lose the weight because of course he was three hundred pounds coming into the house, so he needs to lose the weight. He's got to get a proper diet, no alcohol, no drugs. Of course, it's a sober place, but he's got to do this DDP yoga thing. And the first week, you could say, you could see the struggles that Jake the Snake had because he couldn't, you know. I, I need to take yoga because I can't even reach my toes. You know, I need to do that. I'm not even jumping, right. you know. I'm just here. I got one. I can't tie my left shoe as easily as I can tie my right shoe, either because of my ankle or my hip. One one mm-hmm. of the two needs to be shipped, shaped back into shape. I actually reached out to someone today and asked about doing DDP yoga. So it's funny you say that. Yeah, so talk about that. I mean, that's just, you know, and that's not even funny reflection. I mean, it was it was sad to see. But again, I can actually relate, and I'm not even, you know, I'm not in Jake the Snake's position. Like I said, I would love to bend straight and reach my toes. And I think, I always said this to, like, coworkers, like, I got to take yoga. At least I got to try this, because I want to stretch my body, because, you know, the old, you know, you always kind of, like, push it off, T.W. In my head, you push it off. But if you push it off, you're in your, I'm in my 50s. If I push it off, I'm 55. I push it off, I'm 60. I can't reach my toes, and then I'm I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to fuck it. I'm going to fall on the floor and I can't get up. And that's the thing. So, you know, I got to do what I got to do for myself. But when I saw what Jake the Snake did or the struggles in that first week, talk about that. The DDP, the DDP yoga works, but you saw G- he couldn't stretch down. 
He was hurting. He, he, he was looking at his knees, his hips, all that stuff. And I was, I was afraid when I saw this scene, TW, his first, let's say, DDP yoga sessions. I know you'll, you'll kind of like spread it out with the Scott Hall references and how great he got it. But I just want to focus on that first week, the struggles there. He was literally, I think in my mind, when I looked at it, he was afraid he was going to break a hip. He was afraid he was going to break. And eventually within this DDP yoga sessions of reflection, he actually popped his shoulder. But we'll get into that a little bit later. But go ahead, TW. The, the struggles of DDP yoga. It's not for the so you, heart. You've seen me post about uh, getting back to 201 and Operation Sexy Beast and all that. Mm-hmm. So that started in about Christmas of 12. Um I was at the family Christmas Eve party on my wife's ex-wife's side, and I got on a scale, and it was like 250-something, and that was the heaviest I'd ever been in my life, and something just clicked at me, and I was like, what the fuck, right? Like, Mm -hmm. man, like, what happened, you know? I had, you know, at that point, two, three daughters, uh, a wife, you know, a job, and, you know, I wasn't really wrestling anymore because I had quit for about three years in for there. And I started going to the gym, and one of the things that motivated me, when I was at that gym, I would see old people in there. And I would, and when I mean old, I mean, like you just said, one minute, and, and I'm, I'm in my, my 30s. I'm, I'm 38, 39 when, I, when this is happening in my head. I'm on the machine, and I can see the rest of the gym because the particular gym I was at, you, you were always facing somebody, depending on what machine you were using. Mm-hmm. And almost like football, like 11 people on this side of the room, 11 people on that side of the room type thing. And I remember just thinking, wow, I, I, oh man, I'm emotional for this too. And I'm looking at these old, older people struggle. And I remember writing on Facebook, you know, I'm getting my ass kicked here at this gym trying to get back into shape. And it's not a, a visual thing. It's not a vanity thing. It's I don't want to die young. My dad died at 50 years old. I'm 38. I don't I don't want the same fate as him. So I got to get my 255 or whatever I was was just insanity to me. So I was got to get back down. Mm-hmm. And as I watched these old people, I thought, you know, as as bad as I feel, as bad as I look, as heavy as I am, I'm still grateful that I'm in this gym right now doing it when I still can do it because as I stare across this gym at people struggling to do nothing like they weren't even putting weight on the pool cable. Right. Mm -hmm. And it broke my heart to see him, but it also filled my heart. It's a 50, 50 thing, right? Catch 22 because they were there doing it. Right. And they were, they were old couples there together and they were just doing whatever they could. And they weren't necessarily overweight either. It wasn't a weight loss thing. They were in there just trying to be mobile. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So they don't atrophy up and, just rot away wait, wait to die kind of thing. But I watched some struggle and that motivated me. And within six months, I was down to 201, probably way sooner than six months, but I was definitely 201 by the summer. And that was in like January, February when I was thinking that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so to watch DDP, like you said, I, I look at him like, fuck, I'm not that bad. I, I better get to this before I am. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, and I'm not kidding. I, I went to tie my left shoe today, and normally I don't tie my shoes. I just slide my foot in there. I leave them untied or tied loose enough that I can slide my foot in and out of them. And and for whatever reason, they were untied, so I had to tie them. And I, I you know how you put one hand on either side of the leg to tie your mm-hmm. shoe? I couldn't yeah. do it. 
I had to tie my left foot with my right and left hand in between my legs, reaching sideways to tie it. Because for whatever reason, I could not see my foot when I tried doing it the regular way. And then I did the right foot, no problem. But that is the leg that I folded in half. The hip that I, it's not even the hip I landed. When I did the elbow at the top rope, I landed on the other hip. But maybe it whacked that fucking other side out by landing on the right. But you're right, man. You want to touch your toes. You want to do this, that, and the other thing. And you watch him. He's bitching about stuff hurting. The DDP's laughing at him going, dude, you didn't even use your toes. Why are your toes hurting? You know, Mm -hmm. stuff like that. It's because it's human nature to think I can't do it. And we as people need to tell ourselves we can do it and we will do it. And that's that's what I did watching those people back in in 2012, 13. And I I think I do much better when I'm at the gym because there's a lot of times, Professor, I'm paying $20 a month to go to the gym that I don't go to. But it comes with tanning and it comes with, uh, you know, half off the water and then a massage bed and then a massage chair. It's got all these perks. And that male steam room that you want to use. No, this one doesn't have that. That's what makes me think about quitting and going to another one. But anyways, Uh uh, I, I go there. But I can't. I can't right now because obviously I'm off work hurt. I can't very well start going to the gym like I'm fucking perfectly fine uh, because I'm not. And I get dizzy if I do stuff too long or too fast. And so Mm -hmm. I can't. So I'm gaining weight again. I just weighed 259 last Monday, the Friday at the doctor. And I just thought, what the fuck? Here we go again. I'm heavier than I've ever been in my life. So for the last three days, I've walked my dog two miles every day since Sunday. I've eaten two meals a day instead of three. I'm trying to eat better, and I'm going to I'm I'm going to look into this DDP yoga shit. It ain't cheap, man. It's 140 dollars a year, but my buddy sent me a link to buy the DVDs for like 68 bucks. But you'll have them forever, right? You just right. throw them in the DVD player. So I'm going to try the free trial thing there and and do what I can. And again, to anybody that's listening, you know our man Donna Destruction. He's getting his shit together. Um, it ain't about looking good right it's about living period yeah living feeling good you know feeling healthy or whatever guess what guess what a nice side effect of it is looking good right i'm not Mm -hmm. gonna lie i look better at 201 than i do currently at 259 scar or no scar and so you know but my motivation isn't to look good in a bathing suit my motivation is to be around for my kids kids you know and so and that was ddp's motivation he he talked to his son got emotional Talking about his dad, talking about being around for his kids, and and that's really what it's all about. Because that's you talk about redemption as opposed to resurrection. TDP can stick around, and hopefully he has because it's been seven years. Hopefully he is to his grandkids what he wasn't to his kids. You know what I mean? Like going to their school stuff and doing all the stuff with them mm-hmm. um, that that he missed out on with his own kids, and and that's a hell of a motivator. It is a motivator, but then, you know, everything, there there is a starting point. That's what I wanted to say. And the starting point here for Jake the Snake was he literally looked afraid that his bot, he he felt like his hip was going to break, his knees right. were going to break. You just even said he's like, my toes hurt. And like, he didn't do anything being in his house, being on that recliner. And you said atrophy. He was developing right. atrophy, you know, the body, you know. Wrestling is a punishing business, Reflection. I say we all know this. T.W. Can, has the scars to prove it. T.W. has the, the, the scars of time on his body for the, all the years he put into the wrestling business. And, Jake, and I didn't do it 300 days a year like them guys. Yeah, and, and Jake the Snake has the scars of time on his body too. So, and we, 
you know, within this movie, now we can actually abbreviate here a little bit, TW, and you could use whatever point you want to. But I just want to say, within this this journey, I want to call this a journey, from 2012 to 2014, the overall goal for Jake the Snake Rob was not only to live, not only to be healthy, but he did have a, a personal goal. He wanted to wrestle. He wanted to be in the 2014 Royal Rumble. So at least in his mind, he had something to shoot for. He had a light at the end of the tunnel to do DDP yoga, to be sober. But during that, you know, two-year stretch, he relapsed a couple of times, T.W. Within the first two weeks of being in the accountability uh, crib, T.W., he was drunk at the Atlanta airport with no shoes on. And denying and, it. And denying that he was drinking. But when you're at the airport with no shoes on, you know you're drunk. You know you did something. So, it, right. and, and you could see the disappointment in DDP's eyes. You could see the sadness. But, again, you got to give props where props are due with DDP because, again, he, wear, he wears his heart on his sleeves. He owe, he's the Jar Jar Banks of wrestling. He owes a life debt to, to Jake the Snake Roberts for what he did in the business. But TW, at that moment, he was like, oh, shit, not, not again, not I'm giving you everything you need, Jake. You gotta, you gotta meet me halfway. Do you, do you feel that sentiment, or do you have a different take on? I mean, you know, because it's never the same thing. Everybody with advice is different, but right. every person who's trying to help is also different in the way. Because again, if you're in the mindset of not giving up on your friend, you'll ride. You know, the the term "ride or die" is, is prevalent here. But there's a point, there's a breaking point for anybody trying to help. Like, I can't help you. You're bringing me down. What's the ETW? I think the best part of that, I think, A, that's, I think that had to happen. Two weeks in, especially, because Jake ended up having that heart-to-heart with him in the garage. We said, dude, this is the beginning, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is the hard part. Like, once you get going, it's going to get easier and easier, but it's always going to be a battle. But I like the DDP got mad because mm-hmm. I think Jake needed to see it. And there's way later on in the documentary where he fucks up again, and he's sitting there, and Jake's like, you know what? I, I'm tired of letting people I care about down, and I don't want – I could see that I let Jake down. I let myself down, and I don't want to let me or Jake down again or anybody else that cares about me. And he fucking cried, you know? Like, that's – I tell this to people all the time when it comes to smoking. So maybe one of you 12 listening smokes, right? I was never a pack-a-day smoker. But I was always told, pick a day you can't have back, right? And so it was always, tell your daughter you're going to quit smoking on her fifth birthday, and then do it. That way, when you go to smoke again, you're taking something away from your daughter now. Now it ain't about you. You are Mm -hmm. physically letting someone else down. But that's that's tough, because some people do that and fail, and then they pay the price because they tell their daughter, I got to buy you a new gift, right? Right. But. But I got to the point where I was smoking alone. And if I watched someone smoke in a movie, I'd be like, oh, where's my cigarettes? And realize, you don't smoke, dummy. And I had quit. And I went about nine months without smoking. And then I smoked again. And then I was like, oh, what's one? That became, what's one more? What's this? What's that? So next you know, I'm right back to smoking at the bar every time I'm at the bar. And as you guys listen and watch me on Facebook, no, that's often. So I was smoking. You know what day I quit smoking? When? September 11th. The September 11th. Mm. I came off the road from delivering. The buddy Kenny's in there. His mom died. 
We had this ongoing joke. He didn't know. He knew he was half white, didn't know what other half he was. My whole life, people have called me Arabic or thought I was Arabic. I used to jokingly call him Arabic, but he didn't, he honestly didn't know if he was half Arabic, black, Mexican. He didn't know. Mm-hmm. So I came in the room. The back room, you could hear a pin drop. Usually there's loud music playing, people yelling at each other, laughing, whatever. It was silence. And I knew as the class clown, I got to change this up. So I yelled across the room, Kenny, what are your people doing to my country? Immediately, everyone pops and laughs their ass off. He says, fuck you, I'll kill you. And I was like, I knew that was a possibility. So I mm. corner him and I said, listen, dude, I did that because I knew you were the one with the thick enough skin. I go, something had it. He goes, no, 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 I don't care about that. My mom died this morning. And I'm like, whoa, what are you doing here? And he goes, what's the difference? Would you rather me be at home by myself alone? At least I'm here with my friends. And I'm like, all right. I go, I said, let's go smoke a cigarette. He goes, no, you're trying to quit. And I said to him. You give me a cigarette right now, this would be the last cigarette I ever smoke. And to this day, it is still the last cigarette I ever smoke. I don't even know where Kenny is these days. But knowing 9-11 was the last, that's, that's my little ode to 9-11, is that I stopped fucking around and quit doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing. As little as it was, I will always remember that day. And I also remember this the day I smoked my last cigarette. Right. Everybody's different. You know, everybody needs... A motivation. Everybody needs some and my kind point, of sim- symbolism. My point was he saw DDP was being let down, and it made him snap out of it. And yeah. motivated, not necessarily snap out of it, but it, it gave him the nudge to go forward. And then from that car, that moment in that car where he tried getting out, he was on a run. Like, he didn't relapse for about a couple months after that, 60, yeah. 70 days. Yeah, so, he, he, you know, like you said, everybody relapses. But, of course, the support system, and that's what DDP and the people in that house in Atlanta, Georgia, was. Even Stephen Yu, the director, was a support system because, you know, and I have to look at it from this way. I'm looking at it from being that movie watcher, TW. I don't know. Maybe you have a different take on it. But Stephen Yu was not trying to get money out of this. He was trying to actually do something for somebody who he, you know, he idolized, who he loved. grew up watching. He, he loved so, you know, he made a quick buck, don't, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't a, a, a tabloid kind of thing. It wasn't a cheesy, you know, money grabber thing. He legitimately... I don't think he charged him, though. No, no, I mean, but again, he's he's doing a movie. He's going to he's gonna present this to the Indie Film Festival in 2015, right. and of course, right. he's going to make a couple, going to make a chunk of change. I'm not, you, know what he's I, not, you know what I did like that they did, though? What? Remember I said he had to do the GoFundMe thing for... Uh, for his surgery? Well, we can talk about uh, it. I mean, like you said, he was good. After that first relapse, he was motivated. And right. he lost the weight. He was 299. I think he went down to 256 within yep. like a month or two months. He was yep. eating right and doing all this stuff. And then he popped his shoulder. He, had, he was already having a debilitating shoulder no matter what, even before right. being in the crib. But it finally caught up with him during the DDP yoga sections. And... He was sad for two reasons. Number one, he felt he let DDP down he, because he's doing so good. And then number two, reality hits, Reflectionites. He realizes he doesn't have health insurance. Right. So what was great about, the, well, about this part is it shows two things. One, like I said, Stephen, you, and DDP. Uh, well, again, I can't give all the credit to DDP, but he, he's bright. He's a contributing factor. But Stephen, you 
was a good factor saying, you know what? Use that, use the crowdfunding, use the GoFundMe system. And two, there are good people still left in this world. You know, we could talk about if you know, people have the ideologies, the tribalisms, the Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, all this stuff. We could talk about the, you know, right wing nuts, the left wing, whatever the case may be. We could go racial reflection, as you know, how bad it is in this world. But there are still good people in this world. I think they he asked for about 10,000 in his GoFundMe for, for surgery. And he was shocked that in one night, he got about 80 to 90% on the yeah. first night. And he said, I'm, I couldn't believe the love that you guys have for me. I, I guess I mattered to you. And it, that is a, that's a touching moment. That's a humility, you know, moment for Jake the Snake. That's a humble moment. And, you know, it's a special moment. What's ATW? Uh, I hope you're not, I hope you're not tearing up on me. No, it's, it's, uh, (laughs) acceptance. I don't, there's a better word for it, but, uh, you know, it's like when a little kid wants his dad to tell him, I'm proud of you kind of thing. Like, like he said, I guess all those years did matter to somebody, but. What I liked, what I was saying, what I liked, they didn't do GoFundMe. They did IDGo or whatever the fuck that thing was, Indigo. Um, and it wasn't just give me your money. He did something for them. Like he sent them an 8 by 10 or he, which means DDP had to give him some money to get pictures made in order to mail pictures out. You know what I mean? Because he was down and out. And rather well, than DDP well, just you know, pay to, for to, surgery. Well, to be foul, he was still, yeah. you know, during this uh, rehab, he would... There was a certain part he was scared because he was booked in Vegas. He was booked right. in other places to do right. autographs, to make some money, shows, right. to yeah. make some yeah, yeah. you know extra income. So go ahead, TW. I'm sorry, but I didn't want to interrupt. Like, I like that they just didn't do a GoFundMe where people just give money for nothing. The fans got something out of it, whether it be a personal digital greeting, you know, like they do that mm-hmm. shit now. Where uh, cameo, cameo. Um, they didn't just want a handout; they wanted a trade. He'll give you this, you give me that but you'll also be helping Jake the snake. And I'll, I'll tell you what, I know this is probably more left for the end of this, but this is another thing where like, I always knew I was a huge razor Ramon fan. And I think when he became Scott Hall again, it kind of dirtied it up for me a little bit. Cause again, tribalism, I was upset, you know, that they left the WWE. I've since found out, you know, other things later on that both Nash and Hall offered McMahon the chance to match. They didn't want to leave. And so they did what they had to do, right? Mm-hmm. And and both of them now, surgeries abound. They did the right thing because, like we said earlier, Jake the Snake's in a shack. Scott Hall's still in a fucking huge house because no matter how much down and out he is, he made that money because he made that decision, right? So, but it took us doing a, a Razor Ramon thing to remind me that he literally is probably in my top five, you know? and and like what I mean by that is like yeah, it's it's such a subjective fucking list, but he's there. And do it watching this, but I, you forget how much of a fan of Jake the Snake you really were as a kid. Whether it be Ed said it in the thing, he he scared you when he did a heel promo, mm-hmm. but when he was a good guy, you were relieved. You were like, all right, he's on our side now, right? So, mm-hmm. but the DDT to Jake or to Ricky Steamboat, uh. I still remember him throwing that dirt on the Ultimate Warrior's head when he turned heel again. That bummed me out. And then when he went after Macho Man at the wedding, I think I was full heel by then, so I was good with that one because he was with Sid. But uh, but I, it, it's just this dude, 
I would never say he's untapped potential because we're talking about him as one of the greats. So obviously they tapped it, but he's one of the guys. It, someone says it in the documentary. He didn't get all the titles he deserved, but he's one of the guys that will tell you to your face. He didn't need a belt to get over. And it's the truth. Mm-hmm. You, I, I would hope if I could go back as a revisionist, I would put an IC title reign in his, in his hat. You know what I mean? Like I would take it from Piper and give it, to Jake the Snake, because mm. God bless Roddy Piper. Piper wasn't that workman like Bret Hart, Mister Perfect, Tito, Mont. You know what I mean? You know what I mean by that? He was a mm-hmm. worker, yeah, but he wasn't the scientific worker. Jake the Snake was, and Jim Ross says in here, when you think of Jake and his at excellence, you think of his promo, his DDT, and his psychology. I also think of two other things. How many times have you short-arm clothesline one of your buddies? Probably a million, right? Mm-hmm. The short-arm clothesline is the most underrated thing he did ever because he did that and then hit the DDT. It was always boom-boom, like like Bret Hart with the backbreaker. It was quick. It was impactful and everything. And you didn't know it was coming because it looked like he was going to whip you to the ropes, and he'd just go, do si do bam. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is his knee. He would do that high knee. and But – but also, he just he could work, man. He he made you enjoy an Andre the Giant match post Hulk Hogan WrestleMania three. That's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Yeah, he made you enjoy an earthquake match too. So yeah, either yeah. Way, either way, and it's uh, again like you said, he did the uh, GoFundMe type. I don't whatever that name is is. I just say GoFundMe because Indigo, whatever. But uh, start off like bands would do that to get records made. That's why it's mm-hmm. called indie. Indeed. But he, then, he was very he was humble and he, he had yeah. a tear in his eye that yes. 80, that he got his uh goal within yeah, gratitude. He, he was grat he was very he showed a lot of gratitude because within a week he was he got his goal and then some and he was able to get that shoulder surgery. And of course you can show you this t- The Brody Lee? Yeah, you showed it I think during the Brody Lee uh, spotlight, but yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I bought that. But within that time, T.W., again, he has the goal. Again, he and – I, and I think uh, there there is this one little disappointment because, again, he had the light at the end of the tunnel doing this. There was actually a very poignant moment that um, he, he relapsed for a different reason because, like you said earlier in the show, he doesn't have thick skin, and he cut his hair. And there was a point, I think, I don't know if someone within the camera crew or, it wasn't DDP, but it was somebody that made, oh, no, no, it was Scott Hall. Scott Hall actually made fun of his his short hair because yes. he yes. wasn't used to it. And Jake right. the Snake didn't relapse to, like, you know, snort drugs, but he was almost, it was almost to that point. He was almost going to, you know, if he wasn't in that accountability crib, he would have leave, he would have relapsed with doing cocaine, doing right. vodka, crack, all that stuff. He would yeah. crack. Whatever. But it was so poignant, and it was so sad, but it was like, I, I looked at his hair, like, oh, you know, he's he's refined. You know, he, he looks good. You know, slick, you know, he didn't need the long hair. I thought it, he looked He looked worse. like Dabney Coleman. Right. No, he looked like Ron Jeremy. No, I'll, I'll give you a good, <laughs> he looked like Ron Jeremy, the porn star in his 50s, trying to hold on to something. When he cut his hair to oh, me, I, and hair. I looked, yeah, he looked when he cut his hair, yeah. when he cut his hair to me, he looked respectable, looked refined, and Scott Hall ribbed him, and he was he burst. 
he was yeah. he was sad. What let's say you about that little scene there? He well, doesn't have you know he was very sadly, emotional. Sadly, what? I relate more to the Scott Hall end of that, and because you you like I, the you you're thinking you're making fun, but you're making well, them something ha- simple, right? Yeah. Like like you don't. It's the pebble and the boulder thing. Scott Hall 100% thought he was flicking pebbles. Jake the Snake had a boulder land on him. And they never showed Scott Hall to show his reaction to it, right? Mm-hmm. And there must have been more to it because Jake's exact words were, Scott, I'm tired of being your punching bag. Meaning, again, for better or worse, I'm a lot more like Scott Hall than Jake the Snake in that situation because I'm sure they were fucking throwing shots at Scott Hall too. But mm-hmm. he just didn't. He just threw them off, right? Right. Uh, ironically, no, no. I, I can't relate to Jake too because my kryptonite is say me, you, and Big Rare hanging out, and you two are both coming at me, not just one of you. And I'm mm-hmm. coming at both of you, and you guys aren't laughing at my shit, but belly laughing at the shit you're saying to me. That means you guys had a private meeting. Uh, say, let's get that motherfucker back, right? Mm-hmm. And that stuff has always triggered me to be like Jake was, where. I want to go headbutt the wall or fight somebody because I know it's way deeper than just ribbing each other, right? However, mm-hmm. I also know what it's like to cross the line a couple hundred times because how do you know where the line is if you don't cross it a couple times, right? So I know but that I, too. I, I know that Scott Hall probably meant nothing by it, doing it. And then I'm going to assume since they never showed Scott Hall react to that, it wasn't good. He probably got defensive because I also do that. Like, whoa, what the fuck? I didn't mean that. You know what I mean? Like, you're a pussy if you thought that. You know, because you start getting but embarrassed. You could. I think you could tell that Stephen, you edited that out. I don't. I don't think he wanted to tape that. I think he right. wanted to keep that private between Scott right. Hall and Jake the Snake, just in case if Scott Hall said I'm sorry, or maybe right. after the movie premiered in the indie festival, he actually saw the scene. That he didn't know that happened. Maybe he never knew right. it until he saw it. Then he reached out to him, and maybe they made amends there. So, but it was a poignant scene within this movie. So let's kind of fast forward this uh, again. Like I said, the goal was for him to get healthy, to be sober. But he actually had a goal in his in his own right. He had the itch. Of course, every wrestler has the itch, and he figured the one spot that he could do still to at his uh, he was in his fifties. I forget. I don't know how old he was around 2014 TW, so it escapes me. I apologize. But he felt he had one run to do a a spot in the Royal Rumble. And looking at this movie, I am glad that Triple H or Vince McMahon said, no, you're not good enough to do a spot because I was more afraid of him going over the top. That that was me. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, again, you can learn, you know, Jim Ross always said, you know, you learn how to fall or whatever, that that kind of sarcastic thing he said. These guys know how to fall. And you know how Jim Ross is funny. But literally for me, I'm glad I didn't want to see that. Not because he's too old. I just didn't want him to go over the top and fall and fucking break his hip. Am I, you know, wrong in that assessment or you, you felt a different way? Because you always had the itch. If you had, you know, know. you had the itch in 2010 yourself. You did something. Motherfucker, I wrestled in 2020 in the battle. That's true. See, you you always had the itch. But here's the fun thing: 2020, just like every other battle royal, I did not get thrown over the top rope. I jumped over the top rope on my own, Mm -hmm. or you know, climbed the rope and had someone push me off the rope to the floor. I was so deathly afraid. Actually, I've been thrown over the top rope like head over the rope 
but I've never taken that clothesline where you go backwards over the top rope to the floor ever. Mm -hmm. And to right. this day, I still couldn't do it. I definitely couldn't do it now, this fucking weeble wobble body. But it was just always something. And also to this day, when I watch people do it on wrestling, it blows my mind how easy almost everyone can do it. But me. Right. And then I, I used to do the tope where you grab the rope with one hand high, one hand low above the rope mm -hmm. and under it. And you do the crossbody to the floor. Every time I did that in wrestling school, I forgot to let go with one hand. So what happened? I swung into the side of the ring like a fucking door. And Mickey Doyle and Scott DeMore were just like, what the fuck? Like, like they couldn't even understand how it happened. But they, they finally realized I wasn't letting go of the second rope. You mm -hmm. know, the second hand. But, yeah, I, I, I personally, I, I wish he would have done it. Obviously, he couldn't win it, you know. Of course. Um, I know well, he. I know he knew he 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 knew he wasn't going to win it, but I think he just wanted to be in that two minute run or four minute run. But just he to, could he could have easily been picked up by somebody like the fucking great Kali and thrown to the floor where three guys catch him. You know what I mean? They could have mm -hmm. done something like that. I think the fear was him not showing up. You know yeah. what I mean? Or showing up how he did it. And I just want to go back that match that made it on TMZ. I don't think I ever realized it. I mean, I might have realized it in 2013 when I watched, or 15 when I watched it. Um, the guy he wrestled in that match is JT Lightning. He's he's an old friend of mine. I all those pictures of me as Los Rudos and I've put on Facebook where there's all three of us in our brown flannels and stuff. I got those from JT Lightning. He passed away from cancer probably almost 10 years now. Uh, mm, so it was a pleasant surprise to see him. But also bummed out that that's who it was against when Jake had that thing. And and he just pinned him when he fell on the ground. And you could see the disappointment in JT's eyes. JT gave me my break in Cleveland. Uh, used me all the time. I got great stories involving JT. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was, it was cool to see JT Lightning, you know, in a terrible situation. But to see him, he's going right. to live forever. Because every time I watch this, I'm going to see my buddy JT on the TV, at least for a couple minutes. That's why so I, that's I appreciate the, that's one, that part. That's one of the positive things. So he didn't get the wish of working uh, the 2014 Royal Rumble. But as a consolation before that, TW and Reflection Nights, DDP had an appearance at Old School Monday Night Raw. And DDP fought for this. He actually got Jake the Snake Roberts into the prime spot of the main event where he actually helped out CM Punk. I know your favorite wrestler, CM Punk, against The Shield. So we got to see, you know, Jake the Snake got to at least feel that energy from the crowd during an old-school Monday Night Raw on USA Network, TW. So that was a good thing. And within this movie, Reflection Nights, we talked about this. He was inducted to two Hall of Fames. The first one was one of those indie kind of Hall of Fames where, you know, you, you could see T.W. where the first Hall of Fame meant a lot to him. And, of course, DDP inducted him into that indie Hall of Fame. But he could celebrate it with his children, his uh, his sons and daughters, the ones that want to talk to him and the ones that wanted to be in the in the thing. And, of course, the Peace Day Resistance, since he couldn't get to the 2014 Royal Rumble, Triple H called him before that and surprised DDP. And this was th – this, to me, was uh, the best scene out of the movie – DDP, it, well, it was almost like a father being proud of his son, but also, you know, all that hard work that he got, you know, he, all that motivation, all that love, all that support, and Jake the Snake's going into the WWE Hall of Fame. And I know a lot of Reflectionites, and 
those reflect nights and the and the the twelve listeners TW that you always say that listen to us. You know you got friends on Facebook that that always kind of clowns on the WWE Hall of Fame, but to certain wrestlers, and especially in this documentary, I'm not saying that it's the gold standard, but you know, DDP cried when he inducted uh, Jake the Snake into the Indie Hall of Fame. DDP cried when he, knowing that Jake the Snake is going and deservedly so to the 2014 WWE Hall of Fame. What say TW about this magic moment? First of all, to all the indie wrestlers or indie fans who think they're, um, uh, my daughter was texting me. She's by herself at her mom's house. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Um, so all you Martha uh, Hart wannabes, the WWE Hall of Fame is a fucking W Hall of Fame. I don't give a fuck if there's a building. I don't give a Every year at WrestleMania, they induct some people in there. They bring out the Hogan statue, the Andre statue, the Dusty, the Flair, the Warrior, the Undertaker. Who just got one this year? Someone just got another damn Undertaker. Was it, that was his this year? Mm-hmm. Okay, The Rock has one, I believe. So not, not they, yet. They wheel them fucking statues out. They, they decorate the shit. They show a montage of all the people that were in there. One day there'll be a fucking building, but until then... I'm going to tell you right here, right now, if they inducted a fan into the WWE Hall of Fame, not one of those sons of bitches who say anything negative about it would say no to it. They would like, hell yeah, put me in there. Because regardless, all you have to do is watch anybody who's ever. Mr. T and his talk about his mama, Larry Zabisco talking about for 72 days how he cut through the bushes of Bruno. Every one of those dudes is 1,000% grateful to be there. And I'll tell you what, you got Vince Russo. Hey, I know he's a friend of the show, but here's the deal. You can complain about that Hall of Fame all you want not being a building and it's not voted on by peers. That makes it even harder to get in there. So all those guys who are in that Hall of Fame, at one point or another, they did something to make Vince McMahon go, all right, let's put them in. That's much harder to do than to get 17 other jabronis to say, yeah, put them in there. Because I would rather it be harder to get into a Hall of Fame than easy. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, what's the point of it? And that's why I don't like those, uh, whatever the hell, where they show there's like 97 dudes from the Carnies back in 1912. God bless them. Put them in the Carney Hall of Fame. They don't need to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. I'm, I'm almost not happy when people get put in there that were never once in a WWE match, right? But they got WCW's history too. So if you weren't in one or the other, then, you know, then you probably weren't in a very fucking good career to begin with to be put into the Hall of Fame. But it's a real Hall of Fame, and all you need to do is ask any single person that's ever got put in there. You got yeah. Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, Razor Ramon, X-Pac. You got dudes that were in there twice just as happy the second time as they were the first. Yeah, again, it's business. We, we know this, but again... You saw the emotion in DDP. He was happy for Jake. And, of course, Jake, the tears were in his eyes during the Hall of Fame speech. It was a very poignant speech. He was celebrating with his family. He was celebrating with his, you know, uh, sons and daughters who already were having kids of their own. So, you know, the grandbabies. This he is brought what one up. All, He brought them up. This is what it was meant for. This is what he was, you know, fighting the sobri- for sobriety for, Reflection Heights. Yep. He wanted to see his grandchildren. Full circle. It it came in full circle, TW. So within this, let's put a bow on this because there's nothing left. And, you know, the credit. One one thing that I want to say, because I fucking teared up a lot during this. Okay. 
He said, and I'm surprised he didn't tell the people when he came back home what he said, but he said him and McMahon didn't spend a lot of time together. Say what you will about Vince McMahon, but let Jake the Snake, let Macho Man, who unfortunately happened to be after he died, uh, and let the Ultimate Warrior be proof. That dude does not have any problem throwing a grudge away when you're ready to throw it away, right? Like, mm-hmm. don't be surprised to see CM Punk say, yeah, Vince shook my hand and said, welcome home, or good to see you home. That line right there had to just make Jake the Snake feel like the entire two years was worth it because Vince, the be-all, end-all, I don't care what anybody has to say about him today, to Jake the Snake, that was the man and his, in his prime. Vince McMahon, mm-hmm. to have him look you in the eye and say, it's good to have you home. That story of him and the warrior, where he gave the warrior the book about the little engine that could, and he said, this is how I see you. You know the warrior fucking cried when he saw that. Like, like mm-hmm. that's, that's acknowledging that the warrior was right to fight for everything he fought for. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't taking no for an answer. He He's doing it this way, and it was almost always the right decision until WCW. But I, I, I'm I wish he would have got both. I still think he could have done the Royal Rumble, but I I like how he worked DDP telling him like he was bummed out, like he was going to relapse over it. And he says, oh, by the way, he also said, we won't see you in the Rumble, but we see at the Hall of Fame you're going in. And mm-hmm. he went in with Scott Hall in the same year, Razor Ramon. Two of the greatest gimmicks ever in wrestling, period, let alone WWE. It's awesome that the two of them went in together. Yeah, it was very awesome that... that- particular year that they went in together so let's put a bow on this again tw i don't have nothing really left to say it's inspirational i i gave this to i gave this to i thought of you because again it's biblical to me it's spiritual so if you want to quote a bible verse that puts a bow on this movie what say you and then we'll get out of here hey man there's there's one bible verse that um it 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 it, it it's the it's the best Bible verse of this. Shawn Michaels wore it on his fucking shirt when he came back. Um, and I, I looked up the wrong one. Hold on. I got it. You put me on the spot, but I got I know. it. It ain't many fucking Bible verses that I can pull. Um, there it is. So, and and again, this is it. This the sum of the Bible is John three sixteen. That's that's everyone knows that. If you don't, I mean, you should because it's everywhere. But. Well, everybody uh, knows Austin persisting. <laughs> Philippians 4.13, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. And like I said, when Scott Hall says to those guys, like he sobered up on that phone call and said, I feel like God is talking to me right now. Until you feel like God's pulling for you, or you know what? It doesn't have to be God. It could be someone else who's doing it through God, whatever you need to believe, whatever. But when you do feel like God's pulling for you, sky's the limit, man. There, you you can do mm-hmm. it. And obviously, unfortunately for Scott Hall, it was short lived. But it still was eight years. You know what I mean? Like I thought about that when I watched this. Like he got eight years longer because Scott Hall was on his way to dying in 2013. Um, mm-hmm. That that ESPN 30 for 30 that that shit that messed me up more than any Dark Side of the Ring or. Or beyond the mat, that that hurt me because, you know, that's a guy who I sat right in front of in high school and told me, shoot, I'm way better than looking at you than me. And, it, and I'll tell you what, that's the other thing, watching this, mortality is a motherfucker. And you, you said it earlier, you and I ain't far behind from the, the 50s. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, and most people physically, we start going downhill then. And to see Scott Hall, not just in the wheelchair, but even when he was doing good, to see him old, really, it messed me up because that dude was movie star good-looking guy. You know what I mean? Like, he was mm-hmm. built from granite and just good-looking guy and just, you know, took care of himself other than the demons. And to see him just broken like that. So as they showed him get healthier and healthier, losing more and more weight, and you got to see a little glimpse of, like, an older version of the same young guy, it, it felt good that, that he got that. You know what I mean? And Jake's mm-hmm. still going, knock on wood. I, I, You hear conflicting stories about his health right now, that it's up and down. Um, you hope it's not a relapse. But, you know, if AEW well, wants like, to... again, I'm not, I'm not saying he's relapsing, but, again, years of addiction, years of that, even though you're living healthier, DDP yoga and all that stuff, it's still like Eddie Guerrero. He didn't, you know, he died tragically in 2005, but he was clean and sober. But, again, yeah. the heart gives out. So, you know, I'm not hope, I'm not saying it's going to happen to Jake Snake Roberts. Right. Knock on wood, right. God willing, it doesn't. He lives, you know, the, the, the golden years of his life in AEW, no matter the case may be. But... Sometimes, like you said, mortality is a bitch. But at the end of the day, whenever it does happen, from 2013 until that day, he got all this time because of DDP, because Mm -hmm. someone else believed in him and taught him to believe in himself, who Scott Hall, they they did it for each other. Uh, And, you know, I said it when we did the Scott Hall thing. Sad that he's gone, but he ain't struggling no more, man. He's in a better place, and I absolutely believe that. And I'm glad that, you know, oh, man, that's choked me up. It's one of the things Scott Hall said before he died. He he didn't think he would get into heaven because he didn't think he was worthy. And I would think that those last eight years changed his mind. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I think he got to the point where he thought, okay, I am worthy. And, you know, he slipped up. And, 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 again, we can blame COVID fucking get locked in his fucking house to do nothing and mm-hmm. alcohol standard. Cause that's one thing I was going to ask you. Uh, Jake, the snake got drunk at the airport, but he also drank at the house. And I'm thinking, well, why was there alcohol there? So if it's going to be the accountability house, don't even have it there. There's yeah. no reason for it. So it's just a temptation. Unless that's part of the, the deal is to see if he can he, give in. He brought, he brought it in, he, you know, he snuck it in, which he wasn't supposed to and all that stuff. Okay. But again, that it's that, it's like you, it's like you said, those vices, it's a vice, it's temptation. And, you know, Scott Hall succumbed to it, you know, tragically. And again, we could blame COVID on that. And Jake the Snake, knock on wood, he's still tru- trucking along. He's in AEW. He's managing Lance Archer. He's doing this thing. And hopefully, you know, it's not, the, it, there's no health scare. So, we are praying for Jake the Snake for the golden years. We're praying for Jake the Snake to be with him so, his, so he can see his grandkids grow up to, to be teenagers and, you know, young adults. So maybe he, he can live that, you know, glorious life, just like the professor. And with that being said, yeah, TW, again, we didn't make fun. This wasn't a movie to make fun of. This wasn't a documentary to make fun of. I was, I'm glad we did one of the most serious PWR movies on the PWSL Networks at Podbean.com. So, TW, give out those socials so we can get out of here. All wrestling. Pro, did you just say the Pro PWC Network? Did you say that? <laughs> I haven't said that. Pro Wrestling Coalition Networks is at PWC Network at Podbean.com. Big Vito Brand, you can get to them at BigVitoBrand.Wixsite.com. Also, Patreon.com backslash the Big Vito Brand. Uh, Big Ray Hernandez, you can't, we can't do this without him. He's even gone onto our page to put over the artwork on stuff he's done. Just, 
just to get someone to put him over. Um, I always appreciate your artwork, Big Ray. But you can find him on Twitter, at Big Ray Hernandez. Go tell him how great his, his thumbnails are. Because he, he, he's very, very proud of his thumbnails and his thumb-signed penis. But anyways, I digress. Um, we talked to JB, JB quite a bit this week. I thought there was a chance he'd be on here. But no. But you can find him at the P1JB. Get on him. Tell him to do a show with us. Tell him we'll even let him pick the damn thing. Um, mm-hmm. But not that battle to remember thing that you said. Um, our show is at PW Reflection. And then you have, I mentioned Travis, so I got to tell you, he's at Nuts and Bolts PW. B-O-E-L-T-Z is how you spell Bolts, Nuts and Bolts PW. And then you have me at Tommy Wonder 19 at the Tommy Wonder. Um, is Both of those are uh, Twitter. Uh, also at Tommy Wonder 19 is also Instagram and at the Tommy Wonder is also TikTok, Facebook.com backslash Tommy Wonder, Snapchat is number wonder, and then a dum dum duo and an idiot on the YouTube. Alrighty, and I'm too emotional re- reflectionized. I, I think you know this this PWR at the movies is waned on the professor, so I don't even know what we're gonna do the next time we next week. So episodic, we might do a spotlight. Not doing a movie. I don't want to do a movie just yet. So I'm already. <laughs> I'm true. I'll, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. I'll let you know what we do. Yeah, I'll keep you on your toes. Reflection. I said, keep you on your toes. But follow me on my Twitter at PWSOPROF. That's PWSOPROF. And, of course, if A-Track Brown uploads this on the YouTube, it will be on the PWSO Networks on the YouTubes. I have my brother. Bible resuggestion. I hate to cut you off, but if I don't tell you now, I'll never remember it. Okay, go ahead. You'll never believe that the one I'm going to tell you. Stun me. Brock, Brock Lesnar versus... Gets hurt. Kurt Angle. Big show. What? Big big show. Yeah, they fought a couple of times. Yeah, yeah they did. They had a pretty fucking monumental moment in one of their feuds. That, that's it. But we'll see. You know, I'll keep it. I'll keep it in the back burner. I'll keep it in the back burner. Hey, Kurt Angle works for me too. Yeah, that, that, that's where I thought you was going. I was like, yeah, I can do. We can. That's why I said you're never gonna believe who I am saying. Once I heard Paul White, I was like, wow, wow. You just noticed you have a Drew McIntyre shirt. I love it. Oh, hey, it's nothing. This this is what you wear around the house, you know. Let it sweat or whatever. I don't care. This is not the one. I, I bought a Cody Rhodes shirt, so I'm, I'm wearing I that. I Cody Rhodes shirt. I know. I I, I I I learned from you. But anyway, my two well, favorite current WWE guys are Cody Rhodes and Kevin Owens. How in the hell did that happen? Go ahead. Well, you know, in the, in a year when CM Punk comes back to WWE, he'll be your favorite wrestler. That's 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 a, that's a bet right now. But anyway, follow the king of the reactions, eight track Brown at eight track nasty, and of course the man with the documents, the man who already knows the plot has happened between the Democrats and the Republicans. They're all working together to make you the sheep still vote in your tribalistic ways at Obi when you know me again. I don't know what we're doing next week because I'm all emotional about after doing this Jake the Snake thing. So anyway, for myself, the professor, the most magnanimous, glorious man, and for my man, my main man, Dr. Frankenstein, dum-dum doing idiot, the Iron Stomach one, Tommy Wonder, saying goodnight, and we'll see you next time here on the PWR Podcast. Peace! Boom!